If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everybody, to Podcast Unlocked. It's episode 473, winding down 2020. Thank goodness. It is uh, December 8th of the ever f- not forgetful year 2020. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I've got two special guests with me while the rest of the normal crew slacking off. No, they're actually all super bogged down with various end of year and cyberpunk related kind of projects. Uh, I've got a couple of special guests with me. Now, Danny Pena, I've been on his show, and it's finally time for me to return the favor and have him on Unlocked. Danny Pena, Gamertag Radio, welcome, my friend. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Finally, right? After all these years, man. So, yeah. Actually, this is our... Yeah, this is my first time here on an IGN, man. IGN yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I, I, we've it's had Paris on here and there, but it's time It's time to get Mr. Pena himself on. So, you're a recent West Coast transplant. You've been, you've been up and down the East Coast, but now uh, welcome to California. Yeah, I just got to get used to this uh, time change. You know, I'm so used to the East Coast time. So, yeah, but it's been good. It's been really good. For our audience that doesn't super know you, I mean, we've mentioned Gamertag Radio when when Paris has been here. Uh, you are, and I, I tip my cap, you are the Xbox podcast OG. I mean, it's you have been going longer than any of us. Uh, how many episodes are you up to? When did you guys start? Mm-hmm. Well, I started internet radio in 2001. It's going to be my 20th anniversary in wow. January. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but now we have, as of two days ago, episode 1090 just came out and uh yeah it's been uh 16 years now with gamertag radio in february man so and this has been the most busiest year for us good oh that's i'm super glad to hear that and obviously you go all the way back to the original xbox Mm -hmm. did you have did you have the xbox the first xbox on launch day when did you jump into the uh the world of xbox Actually, it was at uh, at an event I went to in New York two months after 9-11. It was called uh, Xbox Unleashed. Yeah. And I was there hanging out with uh, Jay Allard and the original crew uh, of uh, the original console. And they actually gave me a console for free a couple of weeks before it came out. For the, so that was like my first 
time getting a, a like a console as like media. Yeah. You know? So yeah. yeah, but I was super excited. And then they invited me to go to Times Square, where I also got to meet like Bill Gates and the whole crew there. Um, and yeah, we were playing Fusion Frenzy in front of everybody. The whole uh, media, like uh, the major media, was there, like MSNBC, yeah. CNN. Yeah, it was cool. Really, really cool. Oh, Miranda would love to hear that you are playing Fusion Frenzy. She loves that game. Uh, that's and then uh, my other special guest this week, a gentleman who I am face to facing with for the first time ever. We've we've been talking on Twitter a good bit recently. John Linneman from Digital Foundry. John, thank you so much for for uh, joining me here. It's my pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. So it's been a crazy season, hasn't it? <laughs> it has, and you you've been in the thick of it. In uh, you know, this is what oh, yeah. I mean. We we all love console launch time but this is i mean this is digital foundry's ultimate time to shine i mean you guys yeah. <laughs> are, are the gold standard of of objective technical analysis uh we i mean here at ign i mean we we aspire to to do do this as well as you guys on the on the technical side i mean you guys just do fantastic work how long Thanks. have you been with digital foundry and kind of what's oh, your man. what's your xbox backstory uh it's been like seven and a half years now with Digital Foundry. So we kind of really kind of rose up a lot and rose to prominence over the time period, shifted into video uh, from mostly just doing like text kind of articles and such. And yeah, it's it's been a fun ride, a lot of success, but also, you know, it comes with, it comes with some uh, negatives sometimes, but overall it's been awesome. As far as Xbox though, uh, I mean, I've been, I, I'm a collector of all platforms, but of course I was in on the original Xbox going back to, I actually did not get it on launch day. I got it kind of like in June or May of uh, 2002, I think. Yeah. Right when they price dropped it the first time. You remember that they, that's that was kind of unprecedented at the time. It was like Xbox dropped the price within like six months. And then I ran out and bought that with Halo and Jet Set Radio Future. And yeah, <laughs> it kind of went from there. Nice. Was, well, was it's... that the what was that the during the Xbox Live beta time during the summer? No, that was still before it. I was doing the the XB the tunneling software, whatever it is, like XB Connect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I played Halo on that. Yeah. So yeah. I guess the only other weird thing Xbox wise, it's kind of funny, is uh, I was actually living in Tokyo when the 360 launched. So I was there with some folks when it was launching in Japan, and you know Xbox in Japan, the relationship was a little bit weird, but there was still there was a surprising amount of energy and they even built this like massive cafe to showcase Xbox 360. I think it's just a parking lot now, but it was pretty cool to visit that and see all these games before it was released. And I got one of those on launch day. Now I got to I got to bring up the, as I'm looking over at my screen at you here, th there is a very impressive shelving system going <laughs> on behind you. Is that all retro games? What is going on back there? Uh, I kind of have a mix. I have retro modern everything going back 80s up through the modern stuff. So yeah, I'm a big collector of that. I think I currently have about 25 different systems hooked up actively. Wow. So wow, that is and, impressive. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun though. I, you know, and I like to make content based on retro stuff as well. And kind of like, it's good to have the stuff, you know, be able to show it on camera and like help people see like, this is what it was really like, right? And appreciate what the machines did. So, you know, it's kind of a, a passion of mine. Well, what, what was your first console then, I have to ask? Or first gaming platform, I should say. Technically, it was like the Atari 2600, I guess. <laughs> so it goes back a long way. <laughs> uh, that was actually a hand-me-down first. And then from there, I think the first console uh, that I got myself was actually the original Game Boy. Nice. So, and I love the Game Boy, man. I'm all over that thing. So 
it's a, it's that a great Tetris pack in and go to work. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we have got a lot to cover this week. In fact, there's yeah. there's there's so much just in the kind of miscellaneous stuff I want to talk about at the top of the show that the actual our kind of headline news story. We'll see how long it takes us to get to that. But uh, I kind of wanted to start with the the. Uh, the, the cyber elephant in the room would be would be the reviews of Cyberpunk 2077. Now, we talked before the air. None of the three of us have had a chance to play it yet. The uh, you know our our outlets and or in my case uh, my outlet and then John with with Eurogamer. Those reviews are up, and I kind of wanted to just get your guys's take on here on the on the eve of not only the three of us but also our respective audiences jumping into this game. I mean, it, first of all, this feels like the most anticipated new IP in a long, long time. Uh, but second, kind of, what do you guys make of the of the reception, the critical reception thus far? I'll, I'll go Danny's way first here. Yeah, it looks like the majority has been the majority of reviews has been positive, but the the comment the comment conversation has been about the bugs, which I'm 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 ready to use to that stuff like from way back, even during when the, the Witcher 3 came out, it was the same similar situation. Like the game was awesome, but it was buggy. But then through time, it's gotten better and better, right? But this game seems even bigger than that, man. So uh, I'm wondering what's going to happen between um, in a couple of days if the the patch, I think, is coming out for, for, for the console. So I think last night, the PC version update just came out. I've uh, been seeing a post about that too on Twitter, so I'm just curious to see what are the major uh, the major changes has been made because of the update. John, are you and the Digital Foundry team frothing <laughs> at the mouth to to just analyze the heck out of this game on all platforms? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is a really interesting one because, uh, like, from my perspective, it seems to be really pushing PC hardware to like sort of the next level, so to speak. You have hardware accelerated ray tracing, but for like reflections, lighting, shadows, everything in there, uh, and just the density of the world. I mean, there's so much going on that when you see that, you think, how is this going to work on consoles? And we have seen some footage of the base consoles uh, running the game, and it's mixed. Uh, I think that the overall experience will come through, and I think people can still enjoy it. You need only kind of look back, you know, since this is Xbox, you guys remember when Morrowind came out on the original Xbox, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was plagued with problems, but it was still a good experience, and it was possible to kind of look beyond those issues and still find a great game there. So I think, like, if you really want that cutting-edge experience, PC's the way to go now, probably. Uh, and then it seems like next-gen upgrades are coming, uh, but I'm really curious to see what they can pull off on those co original consoles. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I mean, just again, based on the critical reception, uh, it it almost feels like a game where it's you might be better off holding off and playing it in two months, three months, however long it takes to mm -hmm. polish up. To Danny's point, mm -hmm. but you'd kind of miss the the moment, right? The water cooler moment. Like, I is that like Danny? Would you even have the willpower for something like that? Because I know I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, man, the, the thing of the game is getting so much buzz and then you're going to see all your friends online playing the game and like, oh, man, you know what? I don't know if people are going to are going to wait until until sometime next year. But um, I, I know, John, you mentioned about Morrowind, but also Skyrim was another another oh, game yeah. that reminded me of that. Right. It was I loved the experience, but the game was buggy when it launched back then. Heck, so, dude, uh, Fallout 4 yeah. as well. Yes, Fallout. That. 
Yes, yes, that's I mean, another one. It's too. kind of a Bethesda tradition, let's be honest. And you know, people still love the game. So <laughs> Yeah. But do you think that's gonna hurt the game though? Uh, because of that, because of the bugs at launch at first? I, don't um, know. I kind of feel like the bug situation, I kind of have to size it up myself before I really say one way or another. Because if it's just like occasional characters glitching out or animation breaking occasionally. That's not a huge deal, but if there's actually like real game breaking bugs, then yeah, that could actually become a problem. Um, so, but I kind of feel like it's just going to have to be, it's going to be a wait and see situation on that front. But still, I feel like if you have a high end PC, this is one of those games you're going to want to check out uh, because mm-hmm. I think it's going to really push that platform and kind of, it's like a really good showcase piece for that hardware, which we haven't seen much of because usually games are kind of designed around the base console spec uh and here it's like oh no they are targeting really high-end graphics on a high-end machine Mm -hmm. um so and it's just fortunate enough that it's launching right around the new consoles so that an upgrade path is possible yeah it almost is kind of reminiscent to me of of gta 5 a little bit in that yeah that was a game you know this hugely anticipated game that that did push a lot of technical limits forward that it came out at the very end of a console life cycle and then bridged into the new one i mean not quite as seamlessly as what the sony and microsoft are doing now but but kind of a similar thing john is that is that a reasonable comparison from a a, a technical side that seems fair enough i guess the difference there is gta 5 was made for 360 and ps3 primarily and pc came later right that's true yeah. Whereas with this has clearly been designed for PC from the beginning, uh, and they just work. You know, it's a multi-platform engine, the Red Engine. So, I mean, obviously consoles were always in the cards. It's just how much do you have to sacrifice to get there? And beyond that, I mean, I'm just really, I'm fascinated that this has caught on with so many people because uh, I think I've seen somebody describe it online as uh, it's Deus Ex with cars. Yeah, and that seems to be what's going on here. Is it's kind of an immersive sim style game, uh, but with an open city around it, which is a little bit different than we've seen before. Those games are some of my favorite, like, out there. I love the that style of game so much, uh, and so it's really interesting to see, I guess, the mainstream latch onto it in such a big way. But I guess you know. Uh, RPGs were once a more niche thing as well, right? So I guess it's kind of a similar thing. And I'm just very curious to see how the actual public will respond to it. And myself as well, once we all have our hands on it. Well, won't be much longer now. It is just (laughs) in a couple days here, everybody uh, will be playing. And, you know, to the kind of final point of, I guess I've I've definitely heard from plenty of people in my audience, uh, you know, Xbox fans at IGN, who are saying that they're going to wait for the Series X optimized version to play it. And, you know, they may end up getting the nice, most polished version of the game by virtue of waiting. Yeah, if they can wait, that's actually probably the best thing to do, honestly. Because I suspect by then a lot of the bugs will be fixed up. You'll get all the new enhancements for the new consoles. So it could end up being a really great way to play it. All right, let's move next. Uh, there are plenty more games out. We've actually had more December releases this year, which I'm sure is COVID is largely at fault. Games yeah. that were supposed to come out sooner that, that ended up needing to get, needing to get pushed. Uh, Danny Pena, Call of the Sea, Xbox exclusive. Uh, it's a game that I don't think is a lot, on a lot of people's radars uh, too much. And I don't know about you, I, 
I have been playing it, uh, and I think it now should be on a lot of Xbox players' radars. What well, you played the first little bit, right? Yeah, I just played it, and also it's on Xbox Game Pass, so it's just uh, you know an opportunity for people that are a part of the the service check it out. It has this like Bioshock vibe when I first started playing it. it do you you had the, the the same feeling too playing the game or no? Because I got that vibe. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about Bioshock, but. Mm-hmm. You, I see where you would say that for sure. Mm-hmm. It it almost to me was almost a little bit more of a Firewatch kind of thing. Firewatch too. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, right now I'm trying to solve some puzzles because there's a lot of puzzles in this game. But yeah, it's important to really check out like the details of like certain things in the game. Uh, you're also gonna have like a journal, which is also uh, uh you're gonna put old like your your clues in there, and that's gonna help you to to uh, solve those puzzles, you know? So right now I'm on a part at early in the game where I have to cross a bridge. Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure that part out. I think I have it correctly, but it's not, but it's not working for me right now. So yeah. 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 yeah but it's I'm, good. It's really good. So I'm stuck a little further up. I, I, uh, it's funny. My nine-year-old daughter actually tipped me off to the answer to that, that bridge puzzle that you're talking about. She's like, Oh, is it this? I'm like, Oh yeah. So, but you know, it's funny. uh, I think Firewatch, like, I guess the thing, there's, there's no combat in it, or at least there hasn't been in the hour or two I've played of it, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's like a little bit of, it's like halfway between Firewatch and the witness. Like there's not nearly as many insane, like brain bending puzzles, Mm -hmm. but it's, but the, but Firewatch didn't really have any puzzles. It was more of a narrative adventure. It's Mm -hmm. kind of between the two. But uh, I did want to mention, like, IGN's review just went up. We gave it a 9. We gave it a 9 out of 10. So uh, that's kind of come out of nowhere here right at the end of the year. And this is an Xbox exclusive. Yes, it's on PC. All the Xbox exclusives are. But this is a console exclusive for Xbox. So, uh, yeah, give it a look. And as you said, Danny, it is on Game Pass. So there's no reason not to just dive into it this week. Yeah, I, I love the sound, love the the voice acting in the game too, and the design. It's it's pretty cool. It's one of those hidden gems of this year, I think. Yeah, sure seems that way. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events. TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D, and that'll give you four extra months 
on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, John, you've uh, been getting your your next-gen feet wet on the sports side. Uh, You just finished and posted just a fantastic technical analysis on NBA 2K21. Uh, the right. specific next gen version, which is different than mm-hmm. than the the Xbox One PS4 version, what were your kind of takeaway? Like, is that to you the most impressive Series X game from a technical perspective thus far? Oh man, I, Series X in general, maybe not. Uh, but it's definitely it really impressed me. I have to say, because you know, like I said in the video, I haven't really kept up that much with sports games. But something about this one just like caught my eye. I mean, you you've seen the videos before, oh, yeah. and I was like, oh man, this looks great. Uh, and I actually had a good time playing it, to be honest. But yeah, it's a really nice upgrade that sort of like pushes things forward in a lot of interesting ways. And it's not just visuals. Like obviously the improved player rendering and the extra detail you get there, like all of that is wonderful. But the load times, man, that is the big game changer for sports games. Because before this, like most sports games, you're sitting at a load screen, like 30 seconds at least between matches. And that, I kind of feel like gets a little bit tedious and just moving in and out of menus and such always feels awful in a lot of these games. Uh, It wasn't too bad in NBA, but still. So just like having this completely seamless menu system with all these enhanced visuals going on uh, and just the buttery smooth frame rate for the most part uh, was really, um, it, it impressed me a lot. And I'm actually interested to see some of the other sports games now because it's kind of on my radar as like something I should be looking at. Well, yeah, I think I had replied to you on Twitter and said, because <laughs> uh, as Xbox fans are very well aware, uh, so we have been starved for a major league baseball game, uh, an actual oh, yeah. proper sim that RBI baseball does not count. Sorry, MLB. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been, is it a deck? It might be 10 years now, Danny, but since, yeah. Yeah. Since the, the two K series, right? Was it two K series? It's a whole generation. I don't think there's been a single Xbox one. Like, I don't think two K did a baseball game. Yeah. Well, 360 might've been the last time, but, it's but, whatever it's been forever but remember too mlb the show that game is also coming out for all platforms for the first time too right that's where i was going with this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly the, the, yeah. the announcement was made pre pre-pandemic uh mm-hmm. i guess it would have been around i don't know whatever whenever it was it was <laughs> everything feels like 10 years ago but yes it is coming to xbox uh for the first yes. time and what's weird is they had said 
it could be as soon as 2021, uh, which it's sort of made it just sound like, well, if they can kind of get it ready in time, I would assume it's like a development challenge thing. But uh, I would presume in the wake of COVID-19, it will not be coming to Xbox for this upcoming season. I don't this, I don't know anything. That's that's purely my own personal mm-hmm. speculation, just based on the, the effects we've seen COVID have on video game production schedules across the industry. So we're probably looking at 2022. But yeah, John, you, you got to keep an eye out for MLB The Show because it's it's been a tremendous... It is the only simulation baseball game, period. Yeah, that's right, yeah. PlayStation exclusive, but it's always looked really good. They've had great animations it too. Yep, it's been yep. good on PlayStation and it's going to be coming to obviously PS5 and then uh, Series X probably a, you know a year later, 2022. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see because I get, I mean, you know, it's kind of a Sony game at this point. So coming over to the Xbox side, uh, it'll definitely be a game worth comparing, I think, and just taking a look at and see how it performs. But I, I expect that it'll be solid on all platforms, honestly. Those guys have a pretty good track record, I think, uh, in general, releasing solid baseball games with, with great looking visuals, smooth performance, everything you want. And I mean, that's kind of what you need in a sports game. It's just, you got to hit all those notes. You can't have too many technical hiccups or frame rate drops or anything like that going on. It just pulls you right out of the sport. So, and it's, 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 I guess the good part about sports games, budgeting your, your GPU time and CPU time is that, you know, what the situation is as far as the max number of players in the field at any one point, you can always test for worst case scenario. There's no like, oh, well, some strange emergent thing could happen because it's baseball or football or basketball. So that probably helps a lot, I think. Suddenly the fans have all poured out onto the field. (laughs) (laughs) Now, see, yeah, that, that would be, that would be fun though. (laughs) Well, speaking of, let's stay on the sports note for just a second. Another next gen sports game came out for the series X uh, this past week. Danny uh, Madden, Madden NFL 21. uh, It it was ended up coming out in December after coming out on Xbox one in what was that late July, I guess, or early August. So, uh, have you had a chance to fire that up yet? What do you think of it? Yes, I, I honestly I had more time playing uh, Call of the Sea more than than Madden, but uh, yeah, it looks pretty good, man. Um, I haven't played a Madden game in a very very long time. I think since like the early days of Xbox One, because uh, I was playing that a lot uh, almost every year, Madden and also um, NBA Two K. But yeah, it looks it looks really good, man. Really really good. I had a, a good experience of playing it, man. So John, but I just you- don't know. I, oh, sorry, John. I, I want to ask you, like, was there any major difference? Because when I got the code of the game, they, they gave me um, the original uh, from last gen and also the, the next gen version. So I wanted to test it out, the differences between the two. Yeah. So unlike uh, NBA and FIFA, which is another good example of a next yeah. gen upgrade, Madden doesn't seem to have received nearly as much of a boost. Like I noticed some things like on... Uh, some of the weather effects, for instance, when you have like player materials, you get more like raindrops on the helmet and on the on the jersey stuff. Some extra details there, but by and large, it all seems to be kind of the same character. Well, not character models, player models, uh, you know, uh, and just a very similar level of detail. I mean, the game still looks good, but I don't feel like they've greatly improved, like, say, the material, the squint skin quality, you know, the type of stuff that NBA did to make the players look more realistic. I don't really see much of that here. Unlike, say, like I said, FIFA, 
at least has that new strand system for the hair. I don't know if you guys seen that. So like every player has this like unbelievably complex hair. Uh, that's just a massive upgrade over the last gen version. And you're thinking like, that's such a weird upgrade for something like a, a football game or sorry, a soccer game where you're all zoomed out most of the time, but it, it looks really cool for the replays. Uh, so yeah, we'll have more on that one soon. I think. Yeah. FIFA along with Madden, they both released for next gen systems uh, this yep. week. So sports stuff. I mean, yeah, now I guess cyberpunk is really the last Xbox game of the last major Xbox game of the year. Yeah. Uh, though, of course, it is only compatible on Series X. You can play it on there, but it's not going to be optimized for Series X. I suspect uh, Matt, it's going to help, though, a lot. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, I mean, the loading times alone, uh, exactly. getting into the game, I'm sure. And then, yeah, well, just having that brute force, right? In a, in, a, mm-hmm. in what we're hearing about on the PC version where it is taxing, as you're saying, John, like, oh, yeah. you're going to want all the teraflops you can throw at this game. Exactly. All right, Uh one more tech, I, I, you know, I've got John here from Digital Foundry. So we got to talk about this because <laughs> I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of this with the IGN audience. People are tweeting me. I'm getting emails and things. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, John, it, what is yeah. going on with it on Series X specifically? I reviewed the campaign uh, portion of it for IGN, but I did so on PC because that's what was made available to me. And it sounds like the Series X version is uh, not doing well for people. Um, so here's the thing. I guess technically in our tests, it actually performed well, uh, as did PS5. But both versions... So I don't know why this warning is so specific to Xbox, but I think Treyarch actually said, uh, don't play the game with ray tracing right now, which is a weird thing, because apparently people are getting crashes. And the crashes are often like serious, like system locking. And I think I heard some reports of systems uh, not starting back up. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not, but you know, there, there's definitely some horror stories out there. And Trey are kind of put out a cautionary, like maybe don't play it in, with ray tracing right now. But I've also heard similar stories about the PS5 version. So it feels like it's there is an issue with the game potentially, which again, with with this kind of with this being the COVID year. And it also being a console launch, you know, hitting a console launch is always going to be difficult. Uh, I can kind of understand maybe what's going on there. Uh, And that's a shame because the ray tracing mode is really good. It runs extremely well on both consoles. It's a very smooth 60 frames per second, and it adds a lot of nice detail to it. So it's technically fine. It just sort of seems to be a little unstable. But I mean, there's been a lot of weird stuff with this. I don't know if you caught any of that, but we put out a video on it, but then somebody was reporting that they were getting ray tracing on Series S, which is not actually the case. Right. Series S does not support ray tracing that game, but initially you could download the ray tracing pack I and see. it would actually show up on your Series huh. S menu and people were like, oh, I got uh, ray tracing. Never shows up in the options. But there was a specific scene that was bugged in, in an older version of the game more around launch that was fixed later on Series S where the shadows were missing, the shadow maps were missing, right. and then they were added back in. So then when people saw them missing in the one scene, they assumed that when the shadows returned, it must be the ray tracing pack. And there was all kinds of craziness huh. around that. And we finally, I mean, we tested it and confirmed it's not ray tracing. And then Activision itself was like, yeah, it's, it's not ray tracing. So the Series S does not have that mode. So it's just Series X 
and PS5 right now. Well, it's like but, a your typical yeah. internet game of telephone, I guess. You know, one thing it's, that's then... There's been so much of that happening lately. It's it's absurd. Yeah, there's so much of that happening right now. <laughs> Just lots of reports coming. Because, again, both consoles, there's some slight instabilities. People are getting crashing. Sometimes it's the game, sometimes it's the OS, sometimes it's just a fluke with the hardware. When you have so many people buying hardware at one time, you're going to have some bad units as well. So when you factor all that in, it just becomes this like crazy cacophony of just voices. Like, I have this problem, I have this problem, and nobody's really sure where the blame lies. And as a result, there's just kind of a message of confusion. Um, But... With Call of Duty, it sounds like with Treyarch issuing kind of a warning before, or at least saying something, I guess there's caution to be had there if you really want to play it safe. But I assume this is something that's going to be patched like as soon as it can be uh, or addressed because, again, this game's coming hot. So yeah. I'm sure the developers are working hard to address every fault they can in the time that they have. And, and yeah, Call of Duty managed... I mean, they had a... a extra strange development cycle because you know there was yeah. the try a report from what i guess about a year or something ago that you know sledgehammer it was it was kind yeah. of their turn and then they kind of were not leading the project anymore and it's suddenly that it was like oh treyarch you've got to get it it's your turn now even though <laughs> we're moving you up a year and raven did the yep. campaign and then yep. COVID hits and they shipped a, a very good game on time like i really I, enjoyed yep. the campaign so i agree yeah it's, it's very well done they they did a heck of a job uh, in, in under the all those circumstances and 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 yeah throwing the new consoles into the mix just like here's one more variable for you guys to have to I navigate know. through mm-hmm. it's so yeah. it's so much <laughs> now the only the only thing is I feel bad for those that are not keeping up on like going to blogs or or websites mm-hmm. or Twitter to find out this type of information because imagine the average person they're probably because a lot of people bought this game right. The average oh, yeah. person are playing this at home and they're having these issues and they have no idea why. So that that's I the wonder, thing that it bothers me a little a bit, you know. You're totally right. But I think in mm-hmm. this case, at the very least, since it's the ray tracing mode specifically that seems to be triggering some system issues, that is an optional mode. So I would you know, by default, I think that's just disabled. So hopefully, you know, in that case, those people may not have even turned it on or not really you know notice what it does or but you're right if you weren't reading this stuff and weren't keeping up with it and your system suddenly started acting weird like this it's uh it would be stressful you're right but i think it's in every other game even with cyberpunk biggest game of the year it's the same exact thing you know so i I think it will be better for developers to add some type of feature where you launch the game and there's the update there in the game instead of relying on like social media or youtube you know or something like that so yeah, so about yeah. communication. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, on a final, while we're still talking tech, uh, John, I, I am curious to ask. You know, you guys have been running all kinds of tests, and a big, <laughs> big topic of discussion, obviously, in the Xbox community, which Microsoft has has taken the step of even issuing a statement about, is a number of you guys have found a number of third party games are, uh, you know, not that they're running poorly on the series X, but that the PS five is, is running them objectively better. Uh, so kind of yeah. what's, where are you, where are you kind of at with that now? Do you find that, do you think it's going to be a temporary situation as tools mature and, and everybody kind of gets through their post launch issues and, 
and then kind of gets a handle on on things heading into 2021 on both consoles. That is a tricky one, isn't it? And, um, you know, I can't say too much about this because I have actually tried to, tried to reach out and learn more about the situation going on. And, you know, I don't want to uh, say much on that front, but sure, I... I do get the feeling that the gap is not going to be significant this generation in the end. Um, you know, even with the PS4 and the PS5, Sony's uh, APIs and the, their their software development environment, it's people love it. It's fast. Uh, I have heard complaints over the years about Xbox One. Um, you know, again, I, I can't get into many specifics here, but... It does sound like the issue here is that I guess with like Xbox One X, it was strong enough over the other system where you could kind of like neutralize any software losses, I guess, on the right. performance side. Just very rough, but you know, because this it's a really it's a really tricky issue, and I don't think there's any clear cut answer here that I can give to be like, yeah, it's going to get better on this one, or no, it's it's not going to get better because I don't know yet. Um, you know. But I do think it's interesting because each hardware has its own kind of unique strengths and weaknesses. And it's actually uh, looking like it could be somewhat like competitive in that front and just to kind of see what happens. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the old PS3 and Xbox 360 era where the PS3 kind of came along and was touted as the more powerful machine. Right. You know, in retrospect, we know that the GPU was extremely weak on that, uh, but it had a, a very capable CPU. But because of the very different approach and design, uh, depending on where the game was being targeted first, uh, you would make decisions based maybe on one platform more than the other, and then trying to transition it to the other, there might be more issues there. I mean, this time they're much, much more similar than that, of course, but, you know, maybe we'll see something like that again. So, sorry, it's all very roundabout, but, you know, it's a very it's a very prickly issue, so I have to be very careful with what we say. No, I totally understand, and it's, you know, it's, it is, uh, I think everyone generally expected these two machines to, to be reasonably yeah. close, you know, because they are both, as you said, they're both fundamentally x86-based, you know, yep. Zen 2, like, they're, they are, at their hearts, reasonably similar, they're just kind of, uh, I mean, the way I'd put it, which, I mean, you may just laugh at this. Maybe this either was dumb or has proven <laughs> to be dumb. On paper, in the run-up in earlier in 2020, as we started to learn the specs of both consoles, it kind of, I think the thing I had put out there on this show was, it seemed like on paper that the Series X might be a V8 engine and the the uh, the PS5 might be a turbocharged V6 where they ultimately they're going to kind of get to about the same power output. They're just going to kind of get there in two different ways. That's a fun way to look at it. I like that actually. That's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> well, I can good. I'm embarrass myself by saying that then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think the key here though, and I, this is really important for people watching this stuff is that no matter who's coming out on top, I don't think it's, you know, it's interesting, but not that important. The fact is these consoles are running very well. Yeah. I looked at the library of games that launched for both of these machines and the overwhelming majority of them are 60 frames per second or even 120 frames per second. There are very, very few uh, games running at lower frame rates. Like I think the only one that really stood out to me was Watch Dogs Legion being 30 frames per second with ray tracing. 
Uh, but other than that, just about everything else either has a 60 mode, runs at 60, or even higher. And this is the first time we've seen this since, like, the PlayStation 2 era, where because rendering was so different, you got a lot of 60 FPS games. But once we hit the first HD jump, FPS kind of took a backseat and it became somewhat of a rarity. Right. But, and it was, it kind of continued last gen. The CPUs just weren't up to the task. So we either had 30 or, like, unstable unlocked frame rates in many cases. Not all. A lot of developers did hard work to get to 60. But this time, it feels like we're just seeing more higher frame rates across the board, and I think the new architecture and the faster CPUs and storage are really going to help make that possible. Uh, so I think people should be really happy, actually, with the current turnout, even if their preferred box maybe isn't hitting where they had hoped. Uh, the result is still a good experience. Well said. Absolutely well said. All right, let's have a little fun. Uh, the Game Awards are the other big event coming up this week besides Cyberpunk 2077's launch. And uh, I want to chat with both of you guys here about maybe what will, A, will Microsoft show up? They have the last couple of years. They hadn't a couple before that. And uh, more to the point, what will Microsoft show at the Game Awards? Danny Pena, got to go your way first on this. Yes. You know, I don't know if you're hearing anything or if you just want to make some fun predictions. I am curious what you think uh, we'll see from Phil Spencer and the team come yeah. uh, Game Awards night. Well, they, I, I think personally, Xbox should make a, an announcement during the Game Awards. They did it last year with uh, the console, Xbox Series X, right? And they showed uh, Hellblade for the first time. And that's them being bold. And I hope they continue doing that because there is no events next year because we're still going to be probably the same situation as now in 2020, uh, 2020. So I think personally, there is going to be a panel. I think Jeff Kelly just tweeted this a couple of days ago, where is um, the president of AMD. I know EA is involved and Phil Spencer. They're having like the future of gaming panel right before the game awards. So maybe you might see something with that. Um, I was telling this to Paris the other day. This is just us having fun with predictions. Um, I said something like, it could be possible that we might see an announcement of a game, a partnership, like similar to like Timefall when they launch uh, during the Xbox One, that is probably going to be exclusive to, or time exclusive for for Xbox and have it they want Game Pass, something like that, right? Also, I think that personally, I think this should show something of Perfect Dark. I would love to see something there at the mm -hmm. trailer because originally the rumors was that we probably were going to see a trailer back in the summer. I think it was like in August or so. And right. it never happened. So this could be the opportunity to get the the crowd, you know, excited that especially new owners of the Xbox Series X or S, uh, that more games are coming. I, we have to see a roadmap. And I think this is like the perfect place to start the conversation of, of future games that's coming out for, for Xbox. Well, that uh, so number one, you are clearly in the we're divided here at Podcast Unlocked on half of us. Two of us think that the coalition, excuse me, the coalition, the initiatives game Yes. is perfect dark and two of us think nope it's going to be something new they're not going to they're not going to go back to the well on on that old ip mm -hmm. you are clearly in the perfect dark camp on this perfect dark universe the pdu <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yes pdu universe for sure yeah i mean that would be cool uh to to, to see something because look honestly i'm a huge fan of the nintendo 64 era perfect dark was amazing Perfect Dark Zero, 
I was very mm. disappointed. I even purchased that game at midnight, super excited. I got to see the reviews before. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I believe this game's going to be good. And I played, I'm like, yeah. Even their achievements were like super off. Everything was off <laughs> about that game. <laughs> so, that. Um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, before I get to John, uh, that, I mean, Danny, the co- the coalition, because who, who haven't we heard from yet as far as, you know, the July showcase, which mm. was effectively Xbox's E3 press conference, they didn't announce what everybody in, in the organization is doing, and the initiative was one of the notable studios that, that did not have an announcement. Um, is there anybody else we could potentially hear from, you think? I mean, it's kind of hard. There's so many studios now to keep up, right? <laughs> it's so many. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, it's not, personally, I think it's not the right time for the coalition to announce anything. I, I think uh, let the other studios shine. I would love to see more about Psychonauts. That's something that we oh, haven't heard anything. That's true. This year, you know, so yeah. early next year, I think it'll be good. Look, I want to see games as launching early spring for Xbox because you know, um, not Nintendo, mm-hmm. but PlayStation. They're having Gran Turismo, Ratchet and Clank, and I know there's one more game, and that's early 2021. We haven't right. heard anything for Xbox, only for launch, and that's it. And, and also future games, but I would like to see something for early 2021 from them. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried. I'm worried you might be disappointed on that front because it does seem like just about everything is is further out, unless Halo miraculously drops in, you know, April <laughs> or May. Which, who knows? But how about John? What do you think? Uh, you 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 think Microsoft might show anything? Yeah. Cool? So I kind of feel like they need to now because launch has come and gone. And right. uh, like you said, Sony's made a pretty big play in terms of having new exclusive games, both at launch and coming soon. Uh, I think Xbox fans want this too. And obviously a lot of them are in the works, many down the line, but I think they need to show stuff to get people excited. And I do think the initiative is an interesting one, and I could totally see them teasing it, maybe sort of like like the Hellblade 2 teaser last year, Something like that to say, hey, something new's coming. Uh, on my wish list, I'd actually like to see more Hellblade too. You know, like actually see like the gameplay if yes. possible. Um, that would be a good thing to show. Um, on the Forza stuff, you know, that's something that um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. They've already teased the next generation Forza Motorsport. I guess they could show more of that. Actually, show some gameplay. But not, that's not really surprising either. Like, I kind of feel like the initiatives thing could be the bigger, most important kind of surprise. Or if they have something else cooking in the background from another studio that either hasn't been shown yet or has only been, like, teased or shown in a little bit, it makes sense to roll something out. So I feel like it, it should be a mix of maybe, here's more details on games that we've announced, like, more gameplay trailer, and then here's at least one or two big teases where it's like, this is something you can really look forward to that's coming down the line. Uh, I think that would please a lot of people. So hopefully we see something like that. Hey, well, some, new, some new Banjo, Banjo-Kazooie. That would be good. Oh, man, I, man, I would love to see it. Yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> yes. That yeah. would be great. Something like that. I, I you know, yeah, I, I would like to see a, another part of the Rare team go back and create something like that again. But, you know... <laughs> Well, yeah. I'll, I'll make it three for three on the panel here. I agree that that Perfect Dark, which I'm in the Perfect Dark camp with you, Danny. I, I yes. think uh, I think I'm the, in that too. I agree. Yeah, announcing <laughs> the initiatives game. Let's just we're all agreeing that it's Perfect Dark. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so Microsoft, it better be Perfect Dark because we all just willed it. Into <laughs> That's what we did. Uh, 
yeah, that that is the move. Like that is the game awards caliber move that would would actually get a lot of attention. My personal backup, uh, the sort of this like secondary tier. I don't think this will happen because this was the one more thing tease right at the end of the July showcase five months ago. Actually, less really, uh, four and a half months ago. But I maybe a proper fable unveiling, like the first sort of gameplay oh. of that. But I think that's a lot less likely. I think that game's probably farther out. And I agree with you guys that that uh, Perfect Dark is the move. Hopefully, Microsoft is readying that, and Mr. Keeley will uh, will make us all happy come <laughs> Thursday night. All right, uh, let's get to the actual sort of big news of the week, and then after that, we'll probably be about wrap it up. We've already been been yammering on for a while, but it's uh, I've been having a blast with you guys here. Yeah. Bioware. Uh, we've got a shakeup at the top of Bioware. EA has Casey Hudson, the general manager of Bioware, and Mark Dara, the executive producer on Dragon Age, will be departing the company. All currently ongoing projects, including Anthem Next, the next Dragon Age, which uh, we have confirmed that is making some sort of appearance at the Game Awards, uh, Keely tweeting that out, and Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the remaster, uh, will continue as planned despite the leadership shifts. Samantha Ryan will continue to oversee the studio, while Christian Daly, who joined Bioware from Blizzard, will now be leading the Dragon Age product, uh, project as executive producer, with Matthew mm-hmm. Goldman remaining as creative director on Dragon Age. The Mass Effect collection will be continued to be led by Mike Gamble, as that team also remains, quote, hard at work on the future of that franchise. They had teased a next uh, proper Mass Effect this is, of course, Casey's second time leaving Bioware. He left in 2014, uh, and he worked on HoloLens stuff at Microsoft for a while and came back in 2017 to run the studio. Guys, uh, what, what's the gut reaction here? Danny, I'll go your way first. One word. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm so worried about, about Bioware. Back then, I, I've always been a huge fan of their games, right? And the past few years has been kind of really disappointing. You know, the, the last Mass Effect game, Aldrano was pretty bad, uh, very buggy. And Anthem, which another game that everybody was hype about, you know, comparing it to like Destiny and Destiny 2. Once that came out, I was like, oh man, this is not, like what, what's, what's going on with Bioware, man? So I'm worried. I'm really worried about the studio, honestly, from my opinion. John, how about you? I'm not... So this is interesting. I think Bioware had a very, very difficult generation. And I'm sure Casey and them, this was, this must have been tough. Like, obviously, I mean, we know that Anthem did not do what they had hoped. It was not the game that we had hoped. It was not the game that they wanted it to be necessarily. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda didn't quite turn out. It's clear that the studio has hit some rocky times. Um, so I can totally understand why they would want to basically move on at this point but at the same time you know when you've been through that and you're still you're still going still working on new projects i could see it also like it's sort of driving them to be like okay there were issues here we had issues with we've got to solve these problems somehow so i can only assume that's that people inside the studio are taking a long hard look at the way they work of uh, the what went wrong with those games how they can improve from there because I'm sure nobody wants to repeat that again. Like they, they want to be successful. And, and I think 
that it's it's clear that something didn't quite work out and and that's what i'm really hoping is that the new leadership and is going to hopefully get them back on track because i mean obviously it's a different company at this point really like you know uh, it's it's not the same but they still have access to some amazing ip and i'm sure there's some there's some amazing people still there doing some cool stuff and so I, I like I prefer to remain hopeful on this. So I, I have a, a somewhat hopeful view of the future. Uh, I, I don't think EA is going to do what they've done before, where you know people joke about it, but in the past EA would buy up studios and then you know within a decade the studios run into the ground and either close right. or it's just like you know it's not the same. Uh, and there was legitimate concern that this is what's happening to Bioware right now, but. Uh, the way they are doing now, I mean, I'm just going to hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, Danny, to your point about, about being worried, I'm kind of with you. Like it kind of, it hurts. I feel like the Bioware situation hurts Xbox fans a little, it cuts a little deeper for us because like for, for a, for a golden era stretch there, Bioware was kind of like an Xbox second party studio. You had a run. Mm Three games in a row, three incredible role-playing games in a row of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, my personal favorite RPG of all time. Mm-hmm. Same here. Jade Empire, Ooh, which another one. kind of has become oh, a yeah. bit of a cult classic. It didn't really blow up in, in its day, but it's, it, it reviewed well. I remember OXM, we gave it, we gave it a really high score. Um, it, it reviewed, but it never quite took off, but... Again, another beloved, excellent game. And then Mass Effect, which started, of course, the first one was an Xbox 360 exclusive. Published so, by Microsoft originally. Where yeah. it, Bioware was was just like a, a golden goose for Xbox. And you know what? And right now you could play some of those games on uh, on Xbox Game Pass because of the EA Play partnership with, uh, with Xbox. So if you, you never play those games, Go back and and try. I think I think uh, all Mass Effects are there. I think I'm not 100 percent sure, um, but uh, I don't know. I, I would love to see that type of games from from Bioware in the future. I think, like you said, John. I think leadership is important. Communication is important, and also get some new blood in there too, man. You know, because yeah. the original the original developers that worked on those games they moved on to other studios too. Yep. So and and I and also remember too, Bioware. There's there's different um, studios of Bioware. I think this yes, one in, in, right. in, in, in Texas and in different locations, but Edmonton, the- Edmonton. Yeah. Do you <laughs> think now my question to you guys, do you think that hurt having them separated? And, and cause I feel like one studio might have a better game. The other studio doesn't. And maybe some, I don't know, like not jealousy, but more like, Oh man, we got, we got to do better than that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like it's, I, I feel like mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, together as like that pass bioware games you know so that that's how i feel about the whole thing i i see what you mean uh i mean it was austin uh, so the texas austin. studio was austin yeah so they yeah. they apparently are running anthem now like it's been kind of handed off to them which should free up the next mass effect in edmonton edmonton's the main studio it's the original studio montreal you you guys went through the story with them with andromeda they were given a chance it didn't turn out great and now they are not really in the picture anymore from a from a main game production standpoint 
and then, but but Austin as well. Now they're running Anthem now, and they did Star Wars: The Old Republic, which which might have been yep. the last like really well liked Bioware game. Oh, man, uh, I forgot now, about that game. <laughs> think about it, yeah. Which you know never yeah. came to console. So it was yeah. a PC MMO, mm-hmm. and it was sort of regarded kind of as Kotor three. I actually never played it. I'm just not an MMO guy. I don't have the time. No. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this studio. The thing that I want to come back to is id Software. You know, Carmack left, uh, and and all the OG guys left there. But now you have new blood. To Danny's point, new blood at id Software over the last like what? five years they have sort of uh re-energized id software and returned them to being one of the premier first person shooter development studios in the world with with what they've done with doom so that's what i'm hoping is going to happen with bioware here that this there's it'll be a proper structure in place management wise uh and that they'll be able to kind of find a new generation of talent to take care of of Mass Effect and, and Dragon Age. That's going to take a while for us to see that, though, Ryan. And yeah, I, hope we get to see that. I hope we get to see that soon. And, you know, I remember going <laughs> a couple of years ago, I went to, uh, to an EA press conference. You probably were there, Ryan. And that was the year where they had uh, Battlefield Hardline, the demo, right after the press conference. Oh, yeah. And and that year, all they were showing was just concept videos. And I was like, this is not the same EA as how it used to be back then. Because I remember there was years I'm like, man, EA had the best press conference. I haven't said that in years. So mm-hmm. they they definitely need to make some changes over there, man. Yeah. Um it's yeah, I don't know. You're it's it's sort of a I mean, there were there was another I mean, I mentioned uh, Schreier doing doing more great work. Uh, you know, he reported around the time of Anthem's launch that there was a real I think, John, you kind of alluded to this, that there was a real studio culture problem mm-hmm. there uh, in, in the last days of, of Anthem. And a lot of people left and there was a, just a, a lot of trouble there. And and. I guess what I, the thing I take away here is not only what you guys are saying about hoping that that they're able to kind of reboot and move forward, but um, you know, Casey Hudson only ran the studio for three years. I, I feel like his the verdict will, were I don't think we're ever really going to get a verdict on his time there because I feel like he never really had a chance to, for better or for worse, mm. put him put his mark on the studio and and try and you know, lead them to, to better days. Yeah. I mean, he pretty much had to come in and uh, try to help salvage what was being worked on already. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really hope for the best here because I, I do like what they've done in the past and they have a lot of great games to their name that they could still work on. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is kind of like their last big chance. I think they can't, there can't be another Anthem style release that cannot happen and if it does uh put a pin in it i guess (laughs) yeah it's gonna hurt them shuffle the deck it's gonna hurt them big time yep and i guess that is what you're referring to john will be dragon age because that is going to be their next big thing that ships whenever that's true it's interesting because dragon age is always kind of like i love dragon age but it's always kind of played second fiddle a little bit somehow you know you know what i mean like it never quite had had the same zeitgeist as a mass effect and their sci-fi work but they're solid games 
you know, maybe Dragon Age 2, questionable in some ways, but the rest were solid. Inquisition in the original, this one has a lot of potential. Uh, I think, and I, 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 you get the feeling that after what happened with Anthem and, and Andromeda, that these guys are going to put do everything they can to ensure that this game is a success. So uh, I'm kind of hopeful that it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, I, I think nobody wants to see Bioware do a game as a service again. With no, no. <laughs> after, I, after what's I don't of... think anybody wants to see games of serv- the game services like this, basically because you, you obviously have Anthem, but then there was also the Avengers game recently. Right. True. Which which is well made, absolutely. Uh, but the games as a service aspect of it is where it falls flat. And I think it's becoming clear that chasing that trend that Destiny kind of helped kick off, it's it's not easy to do. And if you yeah. fall flat, the game just kind of crumbles beneath it. And I don't know if more studios are going to want to take such a risk at this point. So that might end up being good in the end for these. Cause I, I always, I, you look at Anthem still and I, I see a game there that had so much potential that was drugged down by its overall design philosophy. Like imagine if they had tackled that as like a proper, like full RPG story driven narrative game with that world and that kind of like combat. There's so much there. Like the potential is huge. It just, the game they decided to make with it, this live service game, just wasn't the right move for it. Uh, you you make a great point that that pretty much every everybody not named Bungie that has chased the game <laughs> as a service has most that it has mostly failed. Like it has mostly not gone well. I mean, Ubisoft made two divisions, which I mean, yes. by all accounts, this, like the first one got to a good place eventually, and the second one did. is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Avengers. There's uh there's there's just a million of them, and they they seem like there just haven't been any to even replicate De- Destiny's success at all. Like it's a it seems to be a very difficult genre to to figure out. And I think part of the key though with games like Destiny is that it has that bungee combat and the bungee lore and that world design, and there's more to it than just the nuts and bolts of it. And that's right. something that Bungie really nails. So even with the flaws of Destiny, especially early days of Destiny, uh, what was there was just so satisfying to play and so mysterious and appealing that it drew people in. And I think it's clear from these other games that, you know, they didn't quite have that going for it. And it's just the nuts and bolts of being a live service game isn't that appealing to that many people. Uh, and so it's just not shaking out the way they'd like. So. Yeah, Casey, you know what oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that I also think it's about content too, because once you finish that game and there's nothing else to do, people get really bored and they're going to move on and play something else too. So that, see, that's, the, that's one thing that, that I think companies have having a really hard time to do, to master. Danny, like, like, that's an like interesting much. point. And that's something I kind of feel like I, I don't know how to make this a viable business case, but it should be okay to move on from a game. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like, you should be able to play, oh, I'm going to play Destiny for a month and I'm really into it. And then it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I've played what's there. I'm going to go play something else. That shouldn't be considered like a failure on the part of the game. You know, when new combat mm-hmm. comes, then new content comes, then you come back. Uh, mm-hmm. There's got to be a way to make it viable so that you're not just like barely scraping by trying to keep this super hardcore fan base, keep mm-hmm. keeping them to uh, uh, playing the game over a long period. Like it should be somehow viable to have people come in, play the game, leave, and then come back kind of thing. 
Um, and I'd be curious to see what that different approach would do in terms of have on the design. Cause you get the feeling that this, this desire to keep people playing all the time is really impacting the overall game design in a negative way, at least from my perspective. Boy, this this feels like we could now launch into another hour-long discussion about this, right? <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I would not agree with you more. I actually, I mean, I know I'm an old man at this point, so I, I turned 40 yeah. a couple months ago, and <laughs> games as a service are just, I've realized they're not for me. Uh, the the way that, the because the, the way you're, to your point, John, that the games, they are designed to keep you playing just that game, don't play any other games, stay in our game, so that we can keep making money off of you. And I totally get the business reality of that, but like creatively, it's got to be incredibly difficult. Uh, we've seen these games as a service games go through kind of the peaks and valleys of that. But for me, I just, there hasn't been a game that I've wanted to play. Like, I just always want to play other games. I mean, I, I love yeah. when I get super hooked on something and, I'm, and it's just, that's all I'm thinking about. Like, I'm hoping Cyberpunk is going to be that. Uh, for me, every time a Halo comes out, it's I've I go down the Halo rabbit hole and I have a great time. But eventually, I move off of, even of of Halo and like I'm a a long time twenty year Halo fan, but I I move on. But you're right, like the the publishers and developers are they are designing these things to try and keep you keep you as the the hamster on the uh, on the wheel, right? On the wheel, yeah. The content's not always good enough to support it. Whereas you mentioned Halo. The thing about Halo is those campaigns specifically, they're not long, but they're all so well designed and so meticulously crafted that you want to revisit them. You finish it, you put it away, but you're going to come back. Whether it's in co-op, single player, like you enjoy revisiting, replaying those games down the line because they feel so good to play. They nailed the fundamentals. And this is something that a lot of these games as service games, thus far at least, uh, have mostly failed at. You, this reminds me of like back then when every company wanted to add multiplayer on single player games. So I think it's Metroid like Metroid Prime uh, Two got split screen yeah. multiplayer. Like it's yeah, that, it's that kind so, of thing. Or do you remember when uh, Bioshock Two came out and they added multiplayer in the game? Like why? 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 Yeah. Not every game needs multiplayer. You know, single player games experience is awesome too, man. And I think a lot of a lot of the studios and publishers are are forgetting about that too, man. Yeah, the good news right. that does that does seem to be going away. Like that, you don't necessarily have to have that check mark on the back of the box. That like, oh, multiplayer, okay. Mm -hmm. Because so the same thing. Like there are so many great multiplayer games, and the people mm -hmm. that play the best ones, that's all they're doing all day is playing that. And so you know, you just there can't be more than a handful of them that that can survive. So uh, it right. seems like publishers started to get that message. Uh, so you have this, the secret platform, uh, Roblox. I don't know if you guys are into that, but it's a whole platform <laughs> full of games. My son is way into it. And it's, secret, it's yeah. secretly one of the biggest games in the world. But it's also not just a game. It's, it's a platform. And so people are playing all these different types of games, and they're bouncing around from game to be a game, but they're all staying within the Roblox ecosystem. And it's really, it's really smart. <laughs> Uh, hey, so. John, before we move on from the Mass Effect topic and we'll yeah. get to the, the show here, you know, the, the legendary edition, the remasters, I've got you a yeah. technical expert. What are you, let's say realistically, what, what, are, what are the realistic expectations for what this remaster could be? Because it's not a remake 
the way we've seen from Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, Mafia Definitive Edition. It is a remaster. What is what should we kind of mentally prepare ourselves as the best case scenario for this uh, this trilogy re-release? Honestly, best case scenario as I see it is all the games running at 60 frames per second with in uh, high resolution without any of the technical flaws of the originals and more of a unified interface perhaps where like all three games share similar interface elements. I mean, it doesn't completely work for Mass Effect 1 right. because it does have some fundamental gameplay differences, but I still think there should be a way to unify it to make it feel like a complete package as opposed to just its own thing. Uh, but really, that's tricky because I don't think that they're going to go through and, and make any sweeping changes to it, but uh, just having really nice polished versions that are completely free of any technical problems on consoles that's probably what it's going to be. I don't see how they could do much more than that. Maybe HDR support as well would be nice. Um, As far as like the new consoles are concerned, I mean, it is a backwards compatible game, I think as far as it's been announced, but that could still mean they could include, you know, uh, uncapped frame rates or, or like special options that you could enable that maybe don't work well on last gen platforms, but are perfectly tuned to run well on the series X and the PS five. Maybe we'll see stuff like that, but um, I expect a solid but not, like, outstanding, like, next-level kind of remaster here. Danny, are you, uh, does that sound good to you? Are you going to roll the trilogy again? Yeah, you know, especially especially Mass Effect 2. I think that, to me, is like the Empire Strikes Back of the series, of the three, (laughs) you know, so I want (laughs) to do that. Now, have they said anything about adding that multiplayer on Mass Effect 3, or is that... Gonna also be, it's just gonna be strictly campaign. Yeah, I believe it's it doesn't have the multi. Don't quote me. I'm gonna have to look that up while you guys right. are talking now. I hope I, I hope think- it I hope it doesn't have it because I I just want to just to play single player campaign. I, you know, I suspect it. it won't be there. I I don't think they'd want to support a remastered multiplayer mode like that again. Yeah. To be honest, so it's probably just the campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I I would like to see them. You know, if they put it out, I'd like to see it actually like on a physical disc in a nice physical package, something that feels like, like this is put it on your desk. This is the mass effect series right here. Um, everything's in great shape. You don't need to download any patches. You just got the whole game on these discs, all beautifully done. Uh, and it's just, you know, that's what I want to see really. I mean, that, that would be enough, even though that sounds like the bare minimum, I still think that would be a solid kind of effort. Uh, especially considering the technical issues that all three of those games have in the first place. So what I'm finding is that EA has simply not mentioned it in the press release as far as the multiplayer goes and hasn't commented on it. So mm-hmm. you know, read between the lines, probably not in there. Good. <laughs> yeah, It's like our conversation that every game has to have multiplayer. So there you go. Yes. You're getting that's exactly right. It continues right from there. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got a few minutes here. Uh, let me play. Now we've got a little section of the show called the loot box, where people send in their video question, just like a wide open question for the panel. And if you just cl- if you guys aren't watching the stream that's that's in the our Discord here, you can just click on that so you'll hear this. And Lou has an excellent question about uh, about Xbox for us this week. Go ahead, Lou. Hello guys, it's Lugal here uh, with a quick question for you. Um, so I bought a PS4 Pro uh, 
they haven't played anything this generation PlayStation. Um, and so far, it's been great. We've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima and that sort of thing. But it did make me think, if someone you knew bought an Xbox One now, right, well, at the end of the last generation, what games would you recommend them? I mean, they can play them on their Series X, but, you know, there's there's not much benefit. So maybe someone will buy an Xbox S or something like that. Um one S that is, what would you tell them to play? I'd probably advise to go straight for Gears of War 5. That is an excellent question, because this always happens, right? Like, you know, the, the old console gets cheap as the new one's coming out. There's a massive catalog. Uh, we'll do this quickly, just kind of go rapid fire around the table here. Danny, what do you think? If somebody picks up, uh, you know, maybe an Xbox One X on the cheap or grabs a, a, a Series S and there's this catalog now, all mostly all compatible what that they missed should they dive into quickly you know what i'm gonna say straight up my favorite game of last of last generation sunset overdrive i think that game is super underrated people have to try it out because that game is the reason why there's spider-man in my opinion uh samiak like they mastered that that uh that world like that open world and put it into Spider-Man and also Miles Morales, which is both fantastic games. So personally for me, Sunset Overdrive for sure. And this, again, I, I, I feel like I'm promoting Game Pass all the time, but it's there too. You could try it out. Exactly. Well, that's the point. Pricing. Yeah. It's exactly a hypothetical scenario. You just fire up Game Pass and you've got everything that I think we're probably all three about to say. Although I'll go John's way next because I was that was the first thing that came to mind for me too, Danny, was Sunset. But I'll, I'll give another one here in a second. Okay. Uh, John, what do you think? What uh, Somebody just diving in, brand new Xbox owner, what should they play from the catalog? So the two suggestions I would say is I do think you got to start with Halo because it's kind of like it's classic Xbox and Master Chief Collection. Uh, it is on Game Pass. Uh, it's been updated for the new consoles, so that's solid. That's a good place to start. But uh, two of my favorites, the two Ori games, Ori in the Blind Forest and Will of the Wisps. Uh, I, I do believe they're two of the best 2D platformer action games of the generation. Really, really solid games. Just unbelievably fluid. Uh, they are fundamentally kind of Metroidvanias, if you will, but they're really focused on more hardcore platforming in a way that, you know, Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night never were. So, like, this feeling of gaining momentum and, and just moving through these beautiful worlds and with that powerful soundtrack they have going on, uh, it's just unbelievable. And the new game just received that Series X update as well. So if you have a 120 hertz TV, you know, a 2D platform at 120 frames per second is just sublime. It feels unbelievably nice. So I do think that those games are absolute must-plays. Great picks from both of you guys. I'll throw in uh, another first-party classic. That's the thing, like, you know, Microsoft, they're... The quantity has been seriously lacking this generation, but there has oh, been yeah. some serious quality there when they have uh, when they have delivered. Whereas, and of course, Sony's been able to do the quality and the quantity. But yeah. uh, any of the Forza Horizon games, oh, I yeah. would be would be my recommendation here. Since since Danny already said Sunset wisely, so uh, I think they've each managed to be better than the the one before. Which I don't know how Playground keeps doing that because those games are incredible. So I would say Forza Horizon 4 first, but there is uh, plenty of good reason if you chew through that and play that for a while 
to go back to three because three was set in Australia and it, you know, each one is in this gorgeous location and two is in the south of France. There's oh, these stunning right. about that. drive around in. And these are, you know, they're not hardcore racing games. They are, I call them, I don't even call them racing games. I call them driving games. They're just these fun, that's a good way to breezy social things. I think they're some of the the best games with cars in them in the in at least the last decade, if not longer. 100% All right, yeah. I yep. love those games. Absolutely. Yep. Let's do a trivia question here before I let you guys go. I'm I'm uh, taking oh. enough of your time, gentlemen, but hang with me. This is a fun part of the show <laughs> we do at the end of every week. It's uh, obviously it's just for fun here. We do have a a listener made trophy that gets made and the the scoring is tracked all year. Uh, unfortunately, you guys are not going to have time to catch up here on uh, December 8th <laughs> to the leaders, but you're playing for pride. <laughs> all right. uh, Louis Catano asks, with the upcoming release of Cyberpunk 2077, says, I thought I would have a look at the history of the publisher. And I want to pause here to add, he straight up stumped me on this. I did not know this. So this is a really good trivia question. CD Projekt Red started as a Polish localization company. Following the success of their localization of Ace Ventura, the CD-ROM game, which now I need to go look up, CD Projekt signed their first big, like big AAA game localization job. Uh, Was it Star Wars Rebellion, Warhammer, Dark Omen, Baldur's Gate, or Thief the Dark Project? Uh, Now, John, I know you're a big retro gamer, but... Danny, you've been around like me. You've been around. We're, we're uh, veterans of this thing, too. So I don't know who to go to first. Do either one of you think you know it? <laughs> I think I know, but I'm not 100%. I, I'm pretty I, sure, though. John, you, you want to go first, John? Because I'm, right, I'm I, curious to hear. <laughs> I feel like they did uh, Bowder's Gate and some of the other uh, Infinity Engine stuff, you know, back then. I'm fairly sure that they were well-known in Poland for, like, doing the full translation of that game. So mm. I'm going to go with that. You know, it could have been something else as well because of the timing. Like Thief, again, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a similar time frame, so I don't know if they touched that, but I know they did. I'm pretty sure they did Baldur's Gate. Yeah. All right, I, Danny. I know it wasn't A. So is no. And I've been looking the whole time between B or C. So I think I'm gonna go with the same answer with John. Baldur's uh, Gate. <laughs> I think it is. I, I think. You guys are, uh, you guys are I, I'm totally. I'm totally guessing on this one, but because <laughs> I have no, but I know it can be it can be a because I think it would it would have been Star Wars we wouldn't hear that conversation a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. CD Project Red, you know. So, so it's not a that's that's for sure. Well, I like the logic, I like the team unity here, and yeah. uh, it paid off. Yes, you are both correct. It was yeah, Baldur's yeah. Gate. Well done, Jeff, <laughs> and an excellent totally right. from uh, Louis Catano. Thank you very much, Louis, and. If you in the audience want to try and stump the panel with an unlock block trivia question, please email it in. The address is unlocked at IGN.com. Include your question for multiple choice answers, and please note the correct one in your email. And with that, uh, you guys did it. We, we made it to the end. I, I'll tell you, I had a blast with you guys. This was fun. Uh, this is, my, yeah. again, my first time actually having a direct face-to-face conversation with John. Uh, John, thanks so much for staying up late with us here. No problem at all. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Well, what? Uh, please please give yourself a plug. Where can we follow you, your work? We know Digital Foundry. Oh, yeah. What are you working yeah. on that, uh, that are 
our, our Xbox audience should be checking out. So obviously you can find us at youtube.com slash digital foundry and eurogamer.net slash digital foundry. If you want to read some text um, and I'm at dark one X on Twitter, obviously right now we're going to be like, everything is cyberpunk. We got to focus on that. There's a lot of questions there to be answered, but there's going to be a lot more than that coming up, of course. So we have some fun stuff lined up for Christmas doing my yearly game of the year video. Looking forward to that. So not that it, stands with the big boys but i like to put out my own personal list so i'll be doing that soon excellent well good stuff danny yeah well for me uh you can find me on uh, gamertag radio we're on every podcast app for gamertag radio we're there we post episodes every uh two two episodes every week also you can find me find me on twitter uh that's godfrey g-o-d-f-r-e-e uh, actually, this uh, this week I'm gonna be on Telemundo because I sometimes create uh, Spanish content for them of uh, about video games. So I'm gonna be there. Uh, the, yeah, Thursday. So tune in nationwide. Uh, and and also shout out to Paris because he's gonna be hosting the Cyber Cyber Night event with uh, CD Project Red. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm super proud of him. So I'll see that live on on Twitter. And also, I believe IGN. Are you guys gonna be covering that or not? Because I saw the post. Uh, I'm not sure. So. I, yeah, I, honestly, I look, I look <laughs> dumb here. I have no idea what we're, because it's like, yeah. I'm so yeah. down in the stuff I'm doing. I don't yeah. actually don't know what's going on over here. So, all right, all right. Well, just in case, you know, check it out either way. But uh, yeah, I would just want to show support to Paris because it's, it's been a great year for him, man. So I'm super proud yes. of him. Yeah, yeah I, I hope uh, I hope the game lives up to his his excitement level because I'll tell you, like, I'm, I look at Paris and I'm jealous because I, like, there are plenty of games I get excited for, but as you both know, there are, there are just those games for each of us that come along like just every once in a blue moon where you are just like, just so amped for it and you just can't wait. I mean, the, my all-timer for that's Halo 2. Nothing's ever come close to the to the <laughs> hype and then it paid off too. Like the game didn't disappoint me, but yeah, yeah. Paris is just he's in that zone for Cyberpunk and... I'm so happy for him to get to to get to finally yeah. play the game. So, uh, yeah. Danny, John, thank you both so much. This was Podcast Unlocked 473. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. And, of course, uh, every day on IGN.com. And we'll see you back. We've got one more show. I believe it's going to be one more Unlocked. So look for that same time, same place next week. See you then. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.